Welcome to Get Amplified from the Amplified Group, the podcast for tech industry leaders and aspiring leaders who want to help their companies execute faster. As always, we're virtual. I'm in sunny Buckinghamshire. Vicky's over in deepest darkest Oxfordshire. And Vicky, we have an old friend on the podcast today, don't we? We certainly do. We are joined by an old friend and a new friend, in fact. So today we are joined by Alistair Wildman, who is SVP of Customer Experience at Cisco. And we're also joined by Rhiannon Dobson-Edwards, who's an apprentice at Cisco. Now, if I just go back a little while, even just to this week, I saw a post on LinkedIn this week that said, it doesn't matter how senior you are, you can be kind. And that just made me think of Alistair, actually, because Alistair, you have a pretty senior job at Cisco. And yet when I asked you if you would do this podcast with us you were back within seconds going of course how can I help you and actually you were one of our first clients at the Amplified Group as well which seems like a lifetime ago now so I'm absolutely thrilled that you're on and the fact that you and Sam know each other so well as well I feel like I'm going to have a very entertaining hour. Happy days. So Alistair I think you'd best start by giving us a potted history of what I well know as as a most illustrious career uh, but it would be good to bring our listeners up to speed, if you don't mind. Absolutely. I'm not sure it's illustrious, but yeah. So, yeah, I started in the year 2000, just after Y2K, at a small software company called Microsoft. And, uh, and my first job was unbelievable. I was called a dot-com business manager. Do you remember dot-coms? Exactly. Donkeys 21 years ago. Uh, yeah, so I joined Microsoft. Um, I was about 27 years old. I'd not really done. I'd done some crazy stuff before that was not related to tech or IT. So we're not going to talk about that. We'll talk. Uh, I was Please more in the do. entertainment. I, oh, I used to be the, okay. So I, I used to be. I used to be a promoter at a nightclub, uh, quite a famous nightclub called the Hacienda in Manchester. <laughs> and I did a few raves and some kind of big events for mainly students. But I did that for about probably five or six years after I got, I got my degree. About 27, I decided, well, I couldn't get a mortgage. So my mum said, get yourself a proper job. And I just got in, I just started working with a guy called Anthony H. Wilson, who had Fracture Records. I started working for him in 96, 97. He owned the Hacienda. And he also owned Manchester.com, which was a uh, the first kind of city portal information guide for Manchester. And we did a lot of work there around e-commerce. We set up e-commerce companies. We had web design. And I really got started to get stuck into the Manchester.com scene. Anyway, so when Microsoft applied for dot-com business manager, I thought, yeah, that's it. And I applied for it. I remember going down for the interview because I had a white T-shirt on, a pair of ripped jeans and some silver trainers. And uh, let's just say I didn't quite fit in. <laughs> but nevertheless, and I said, I remember saying to Gordon Smiley, who interviewed me, that my mum wanted me back for my tea that night. So they had to make a decision that day. And they said, no, no, it's going to be a, you know, a, a probably a two or three day interview process. I said, well, I can't afford to keep driving down from Liverpool where I was living. So you're going to have to either give me the job or tell me I've not got it. Anyway, 9 p.m. that night, I got the job. And I then nice, had nice the most amazing, yeah, most amazing 10 years of my career. Uh, I, I loved it. I started as a salesman in the dot-com team, and then I went into the solutions team, and then I looked after the NHS, and then I looked after a company called Reed Elsevier. I went to work in America as a global sales account manager. I then met this a really exciting executive called Maria Martinez. She was at the time a head of like the CEO of that business division. Um, she asked me to go to Redmond to become her chief of staff. So I, I came out of sales and went to become the chief of staff of one of the that's sort of six CEOs of the company. I got to meet Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer and all the kind of good and great in Redmond. That's 2005, six now. Then came back to run what's called the global accounts in EMEA around all the 
communication sector and media accounts, so all the big Vodafones, Deutsche Telekoms, and that was brilliant. And then I got a phone call from Ria and she said, um, I'm going to go and work in a different part of the business. It's called Microsoft Consulting Services. You need to come with me because you've done sales now for like eight years and you need to do something different. I was like, well, I love sales. I've got a flash car, you know, I get to live in London in a nice flat. She went, no, no, come across with me. So I then became the global head of uh, delivery for the Microsoft Consulting Services Group, delivering some of the, what they call the special practices uh, and, ke- and keeping the BDM function. About a year and a half later, I got the phone call from Maria, and she said, I'm going to this company called Salesforce.com. And I was like, oh, great. Okay, where's that? And she said, well, it's the cloud computing company. And I wasn't really aware of it. It was 2009, 10 now. It wasn't, wasn't that big at the time. It was, it was well known in America, but not in, in the UK. In, in, in America, it wasn't that well known. And cloud computing was kind of a term, but it wasn't really a genre at the time. So she then went there. And then after a few months, I then joined her at Salesforce. And, I'm quite, and then I moved completely different directions. I went into what was called the customer success group, which is called Customers for Life, and spent three wonderful years at Salesforce.com running Customers for Life. The first job was Amir and Japan. And then my second job, I actually went back into sales and ran the UK sales business as the CEO. And I just had my first child and I didn't want to travel anymore. And Miguel Milano wanted me to come into the sales team. So that was brilliant. And then from there, um, I decided to leave Salesforce and go to this company called VMware, Vicky, <laughs> where I worked with Vicky and uh, Sam. I met you there because you were at Softcat and I met David so Parry Jones yeah. and, and Maurizio Gali and all those kind of great guys at, at VMware. And I was running the end user compute group in sales again. I did that for a few years. And then my head was turned by the CEO of a, a cloud uh, computing startup in the UK called OnApp. I got, and a guy called Ditlev Breedle, and he wanted a chief revenue officer stroke CEO to come and help him take the company forward. And only 100, 100, 100 people, $10 million revenue, so really small you know, compared to where I'd just been. And so I went there and had three really interesting years based in the Brick Lane, being very cool and trendy. Uh, and we, we, after three years, we eventually sold the company. And it was a great exit. And, and then kind of coming back onto the marketplace, I had another phone call with my old boss, Maria, and she said, I'm on my way to Cisco. And I was like, wow, Cisco, why Cisco? She said, because, you know, she did nine years at Salesforce by then. She said, I'm looking to do something really different. I'm going to want to drive a consistent customer success motion. I want to build a motion that will include partners so they can actually see profitability from the life cycle. I want to build a motion around hardware. and I want to help Cisco transform itself from where it is, which is, you know, a, a kind of legacy networking, you know, great company, great legacy networking to a software and solutions. And she said, do you want to come and run the EMEA business? She said, absolutely. So three years, one week ago, I joined Cisco and I've been there ever since running the customer experience group across EMEA. I'm loving it. So sales, CX, sales, CX, sales, CX. What a journey, though. Yeah, yeah. None of it planned. <laughs> no, no, no. These things very, very rarely are. Very rarely are. You know, everybody says you've got to have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan and what have you, but usually goes out the window when it hits the ground. Do you, do you miss the Hacienda days or are you happy with where you've got to? <laughs> uh, do you know what? Yeah, I, I'm terrible. I've got all the old T-shirts. I've got the books. I've got a pair of Hacienda trainers. You know, I, I became more Manchester and I've lived in London for 20 years. But uh, yeah, I, I know. I, I look back with fond memories. Actually, there's a film uh, about the Hacienda called 24-Hour Party People. And it's yeah. by a guy called Steve Coogan was the played the lead role. It was Michael yeah. Winterbottom. If you look in that film, there is a scene inside the Hacienda nightclub that was actually recreated in what's called the Boddington's Brewery. Uh, so they use that yeah. bit where, yeah. where they store the beer. And if you look on that dance floor, you might see someone you recognise. 
Because they've got all the old oh. stuff. All the old stuff oh, has to come back. Recreate our 1990s baggy clothing and jump around to the Stone Roses. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Well, wow, that's what a good though. What? I mean, you may, you may not think so, but, you know, what you learn in, in, in the kind of front of house aspects of running, you know, a 10,000 person event <laughs> and what yeah, you've got when yeah. you're dealing with like 60,000 Amir based, you know, customers, there's a lot of similarities about how you deal with people, how you bring on brilliant young talent, which I know we're going to talk about today, and how you yeah. make sure that people see value from the money they're spending so they come back. Or they buy more solutions. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I, I certainly, I mean, you know, the stuff I did in music was, was on nowhere near the sort of scale that you were operating on. But the stuff I learned about interacting with people, negotiating ways forward and so on by be, from being in bands and creating music together, I definitely think stood me in good stead in, in, later on in my sort of my more professional, less rock starry career. <laughs> He kept the I look. Agree. I agree. He kept, kept the look, maybe. Yeah. He kept the look. Apart, apart from the lack of long hair, but that's not a bad <laughs> thing. So, I mean, that's a, a, a crazy and fantastic and really cool journey. Um, so, you bring yourself to Cisco, one of the biggest players in the IT industry, and as I'm, I'm led to believe, uh, top on the Fortune 100 best companies to work for list, which is pretty damn magnificent uh, what makes it so awesome oh it's definitely the people i mean i mean i and I, I run the people side of the business so for, it, for me it's definitely the people the team you know it, there's a real mixture of you know you know really exciting young people that are coming in to help give us those ideas of the, of the kind of current generation through to 25 30 year old veterans who you know who've been here a long time but have that great depth of knowledge so I think that the people, absolutely, and, and, and also the diversity of those people as well. So, you know, we, we try really hard to make sure that everyone doesn't look like me or else it will be really boring. Uh, and then I think that the second thing, obviously, is, the, is how we engage with our technology and the solutions. I mean, Cisco has got the widest portfolio. I, mean, I thought Microsoft was wide because it had the Xbox and MSN. So you've got two consumer units and then you have a whole bunch of software and then a little bit of hardware. Where, where Cisco is really diverse in terms of the portfolio as well. So it's got the traditional hardware, the networking, which is 60% of the business. And we are number one in pretty much every category there. And then you've got the automation and the controller and the innovation side of the network. And then that, that slides into security because security is embedded in everything we do. And then we go into the visibility and you look at what we do around applications and in network visibility. And finally, you go across, you've got WebEx, which is the biggest single you know, collaboration and communication tool still in the marketplace, still number one. Even though it may not have the strongest brand, because uh, obviously there's been new entrants in the last 12, 18 months that have really done well in terms of market share. I mean, WebEx is still the, the best end-to-end -end encrypted mass market scale network for, for business users. So you try selling that portfolio to, to a single customer. So they can go from data center, they go to the network, they can go to security, they've got services. I mean, services is 26, 7% of the business and still growing. So it's just an incredible place to work because it's so interesting. But if you're Rhiannon, who's like just starting her career, she's got all these chances to go to different places inside one company. She can go and work in a high-end software business. We're the, I think we're the seventh largest software company in the world now by, by, by volume, okay, and numbers. Or she can go and look at the traditional side and, and talk to clients who've been with us for 30 years where we've been uh, you know, managing and securing their, their enterprise networking. Or we can go into new areas around applications and visibility and you know, the whole new world that's coming. And then finally, if she's really excited, she can go and help us rediscover the internet. Because we've got new technology that will become the next version of the internet in the next few years. And that, that's all coming down the line as well. The pipe of innovation is just stuffed full of great things. 
You, you heard it here first. Web 3.0 <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> you know, just before we go on, it's really interesting that you say that, Alistair, because we, we recorded a podcast earlier this week with Lamia Megadish. She's a VP at Commvault, and she she was at HP, but we worked with her at VMware. But she talked about, she was an engineer in France, and now she's VP of Partner Strategy, and she's gone through various different roles. And that came from HP, giving her the the flexibility to move from different type of group to different type of group till she found where she really wanted to be and she that wasn't planned but that's what great companies do though so, so great companies they you know we profile in a really nice way talent and we f- look for those people that are rising quickly and then we help them and accelerate them and then you know it's like, it's like when maria tapped me on the shoulder and said after eight years in sales you need to do something different so she said, if you want to become the ceo of a company you can't keep doing sales because you'd be one track trick pony she said right i want you to go now and run global service delivery i knew nothing about delivering services probably still don't today but don't anyone and uh, and you know i think that's what you've got to do is you know in big companies because we can we can place people in so many different environments where they can learn different things now i've got i've got rock stars in their 20s now that are managing you know teams of hundreds of people because we we and particularly I'll tell you a quick story. In Saudi Arabia, uh, the, my leader of Saudi Arabia is a young lady called Buthena. Now, Buthena is a female in Saudi Arabia. And so they've only been out in the workforce for a small number of years. And she is now leading the delivery team in Saudi Arabia, one of the fastest growing markets for, for Cisco. And she's amazing. She will be the next you know, C- CEO of Saudi Arabia for Cisco. I know it. She'll, she'll break every possible glass ceiling because there's amazing talent. So that's exactly what you have to do is you have to find that talent and you have to help them by giving them that a little bit of a help in the next job and, and, and you know, allow them, but then give them space to be creative and to do their thing. You know, don't micromanage them. So almost get the right people on the bus and worry, worry later about what seats they sit in. Well, it's the classic people always say to you, how have you been successful? And the answer is, well, I'm not successful, but the team around me are brilliant, you know. And, and that's what you've got to yeah. do. I never forget. That was actually Bill Gates who said that to me once. You know, he said two things to me, Bill Gates. Wildman, don't be late. I was like, okay, I'm sorry for being late. And then number <laughs> one, he said, hire people, hire people that are better than you at things that you're not good at. And I was like, and, yeah. and I, I never forget that because, you know, when you, Bill Gates is giving you a telling off, you tend to listen to him. Um, and he's right, you know, you know, that's that's the whole thing about, you know, your team is that if you hire a team and tell them all what to do, what's the point? You might as well just do it yourself. You know, you've yeah. got to hire a team and then you've got to empower them to get stuff done. All Not, not just the team reports you directly, but all the way through the organisation. Yeah. So we see you in action particularly in your VMware days, you are very clearly a people person. That, that seems to me to be your, your sort of USP. Have you always been like that? I mean, you must have been. That's all part of the Hacienda days, the promoter thing. Well, um, no, you say it. My father was a market trader. And I think, you know, when I was 11 years old, he said, there's no pocket money. You've got to get on the market stall. And so I did. <laughs> Good for him. Brilliant. <laughs> So Chesterfield. What, what, what were you selling? What were you selling? Uh, uh, quilts and quilt covers and dusters. Yeah, flat sheets and fitted sheets. And we made okay. them all. The best Lancashire-based cotton you've ever seen, Sam, let me tell you. They go crazy <laughs> for these sheets in London. Uh, and that was it. Yeah, so I, I, had a, I had a strong work ethic. And, I, and you know, if someone comes to the market store and you pitch them the price and then you tell them about 10 seconds about the product. If they don't buy it, they've gone. They'll never come back because that's the way markets yeah. are because there's more stalls. So you learn to listen, but then talk quite quickly. As you know, I talk too quickly. I can't help that. Uh, get excited, be enthusiastic, and then, you know, hopefully 
you, 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 they'll listen to you. But there's another great thing that I, this was actually, uh, Maria Martin has said this, actually, she was right, which is people buy from people. And I think that, you know, you, particularly when you're in sales roles, you, it doesn't matter, you don't need to know everything about the products. You don't, you really don't. That's what you got this, the specialist sales for. You don't need to know everything about the pricing. That's what you got the pricing team for. You need, but what you do need to do is be able to listen to your customer, understand what they're actually trying to do in their business and translate that back into their language. And just listen. And honestly, nine times out of 10, they'll tell you exactly what they want and you can figure it out from there. And I see many times I go into you know, meetings with young sales teams and they immediately start presenting 100 slides. And I'm thinking, nah, just stop and ask them why they're here and what they want to get out of it before we do anything else. I had a, a phrase last week that was listening is like a trampoline. And I think that's what you've just described there. It's like you listen and then you bounce back and then you're, you're, you're replaying it back to the customer rather than yeah. just listening and shutting up and not saying anything at all. Yeah, I mean, when I went to Salesforce, I've got to say the technology was so amazing that you had to tell the story or else no one understood it. It was, you know, and the story was, and Mark Benioff was a storyteller and he would record that story for the entire company every quarter and you'd relearn it. Uh, but I think in most tech companies, you know, because the technology is quite mature and people understand it, you've just got to listen. You know, you have two ears and one mouth. Use them in that, in that direction. Uh, yeah. But the thing that's, I think is interesting, I, I've worked at major brand companies. So, you know, Microsoft, Cisco, you know, I don't need to, you know, I don't really need to have a reason to meet, I meet a client or a customer or a partner. They, they want to meet you, but they want to hear the story and they want to hear about customers just like them. And that's the yeah. key thing is relating everything back to people just like them so they can put themselves yeah. in the shoes of just like them. And then all of a sudden they're getting empathetic about what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a good point. Very good point. Makes sense. So what's important to you as a leader, Alistair? Oof, um, I think for me, obviously I mentioned the team, right? That, that's definitely it. I mean, right right now, I think yeah. that the focus for me from all companies, it doesn't matter who you're working for, is that people start to use the technology they buy. I think, you know, the days of doing the big deals and just walking out there buying the Ferrari are over, aren't they? I mean, we, we saw that. I mean, VMware, Dale's, Salesforce, even Microsoft days, people did big deals and they never bothered coming back. You know, as we move the business model to a reoccurring revenue and, and a consumption model as well, where people only pay on demand, you know, pay for what they actually use. It's consumption-based. You've really got to focus so much more on the post-sales activities and less on the pre-sales. Now, sales is so important. And absolutely, salespeople are brilliant and wonderful, and we need them. But we need the post-sales teams, both professional services and consulting services, and customer success to come together to create that continuum. So as the customers then transitioning from the I'm going to sign to I have signed to I'm deploying to I need to see value, and just being able to articulate down the values. So for me, that that is really now more important than else, Sam. That we really focus on making sure that customers actually value from that technology because you know what they might you yeah. might have a deal for a couple of years but they won't come back to you yeah and I it'll, think it'll, loyalties, it'll go away very quickly if it's shelfware well I, I don't think people are as loyal anymore there's so many yeah. opportunities in, in the marketplace for a customer to so many different technologies you know you can literally pick and choose there's so many new exciting companies coming through you know that are you know and if you are the large player like we are at cisco you gotta be careful you don't get you know dinosaur and, and that will yeah, happen if, you, yeah. if customers don't use the technology. And that, I mean, that's what Martin always used to drum into us at SoftCat. You know, there will be another SoftCat, younger and hungrier, coming up behind mm. us at some point, and we've got to keep on our toes and keep moving forward and keep doing a better job and keep improving things. It's, you know, you've always got to be looking behind you, haven't you, as well as looking ahead. 
So in, in your in your position as a senior person in the the tech industry, uh, what do you see as the, the challenges going forward? You know, particularly with your focus on people. That talent is number one. There is a massive war. I mean, we got Rihanna, poor young lady's not said a word yet. We're going to bring her in the conversation in a second. You know, we've got to attract and retain the best talent. And we're really good at attracting them. We're not as good at retaining them. And, and that's why I love things like the Apprentice Programme, which is a massive, massive driver for us at Cisco, early in career programmes. We want to yeah. bring them in when they're really young and full of ideas, and they can help shape the future of the company. So talent. And then we need to make sure that we keep our, the, the people we've got relevant. And I mean that, I mean skills relevant. So, you know, I was actually having a call yesterday with a young lady who's really, really technically brilliant. She's, uh, what, she's CCIE, so she's one of our, our highest certifications. And she was actually saying that she started a career only two years ago in routing and switching, which is kind of bread and butter networking. And yeah. she's now already taking a CCIE in security. And she wants to go even deeper into cybersecurity. And I said to her, that's exactly right. Because if we've got, you know, routing and switching, which is the backbone of Cisco, but that's what the partners do. That is kind of bread and butter. We want to make sure that we make sure that all the people in my organization, which I own all the services, all the post-sale people, that we're actually delivering the higher value services that are more difficult, automation, migration, you know, cloud, cybersecurity, security, advisory, because that's where it's really difficult. So you have to make sure you, keep, you attract and retain brilliant talent and then you keep them really relevant for, for, the, for the future of where we're going in the market. And that's difficult because you're often training people on technologies that we're not yet really selling very much. So you've got lots of people with the latest skills, but they're not really deploying them because the sales have to catch up with you. So you have to kind of balance that because you have a P&L. But that's a, a, a great one. Also, I think it's very important that we make sure that we have a diverse and interesting workforce. And I made a joke before, but, you know, I think Cisco... I struggled in the past at making sure that we've, we've kept it that way. And I, it's been a real focus in the company and making sure that we... We have, you know, our male-female ratio is, is correct because you look at the leadership team now at Chuck's level, it's our CEO. There's as many female leaders in his executive team as there are male leaders. And I think that's a really interesting signal to the marketplace. You know, the diversity of all types of diversity is very important because of the customers. Your customers are diverse as well. So you need to make sure that you, that's a big focus. And then I think the last thing is, and we mentioned that as well, is just spotting talent and how do you help nurture and promote the next, the next future Vickies and Sams and, uh, you know, aspiring leaders. And, and mm-hmm. companies like Cisco, they do a really good job of that. I mean, Microsoft was also really good at that as well. So I'm really proud that we, those three things are coming together. So you're clearly very passionate about this stuff, which I guess feeds into your role as exec sponsor for emerging talent at Cisco. What, what does that mean? What do you get involved in on a daily basis? I think bluntly, first thing is money. So myself and Wendy Mars, who uh, is the president of EMEA, we, we basically carve out a dedicated budget for early in career. And we hold it back at our level and say, no, we are going to make sure that this amount of money is put to good use. So, yes, we, we absolutely have people that own their own P&Ls inside Cisco, and, and we empower them completely, but we do keep a little bit centralized to make sure. And then what we do is it's an investment. So we will invest, myself and Wendy, in that great talent that's coming in to help the teams as they make sure they build out their plans. Um, the next thing is just passion and time. So uh, I spend a lot of time on what you call getting, getting to know your calls, short 15-minute calls with kind of people in early in career. And I, I do about 15 a week at the moment. So just little short calls, wow, getting to know cool. people. 
you know, I, I don't, I can't go too deep because I have 15 minutes, but I get to hear. And also I can ask them questions about the role. You know, how's it going? Because I don't hear everything and I find out loads of interesting stuff. So I have, you know, I, I calls with people in Dubai, uh, it, uh, Poland, Milan, uh, UK, uh, Bedfont, etc. So all different people across the whole of me. I've got a call with Russia later. Just getting to know people. So it's an investment in, in that. And then the last thing is, I think is also is just going to the marketplace and just making sure the messaging is getting out. So it's great if you've got an early career program, but if no one knows about it, you're not going to attract the right people. So we get out into schools, we get out into you know, Henley College and you know places like that, and, and we and we we build strategic relationships across the whole of the UK and across all all universities in, in here as well. And we we want to make sure that we're, we're feeding properly. So we and that's an investment as well, time and money and passion to make that happen. But it, and it works for us because we bring in hundreds. Of hundreds of great amazing young people every year into our organization now fantastic so having been involved in the tech grad program and the tech apprenticeship program at softcat and and training every batch of new starts for about the year 2001 uh, yeah i'm also very passionate about that sort of thing uh, which brings us on to rhiannon we are joined by today who's a first year apprentice who interviewed and joined cisco in our new crazy lockdown virtual world uh, do you want to introduce yourself rihanna yeah sure so i'm rihannon as everybody said i joined cisco for the 21 fiscal year so back in july so i came straight out of school i was 18 when i joined so in my last stretch of the first year now I've had so many opportunities this past year, just the rotations that I've done. I thought I'd come in and only do sales straight away. I was turned to do enablement and do event planning and training sessions. And I really enjoyed that. That was a whole new world. From that, I then went into sales marketing. Again, never thought I would do marketing. Now I'm in global virtual sales and just looking forward to what's to come next in the next fiscal year. Um, yeah, I was attracted to Cisco a very long time ago, actually, back when I was 14. In my first secondary school, we were taken to Green Park to do an Internet of Things project day with Cisco. And I'd never heard about the Internet of Things before. And we were given a talk about it and then projects. And I was mind blown. I was so fascinated by it. Went home, researched the company. I then tried to tailor my education over the next few years to become as successful as I could be as an apprentice so I went to a school that was sponsored by Cisco did loads of project days there made contacts and I think what's really beautiful about that is actually we had apprentices coming in to do these project days with us and people in the business and they remembered us and even when I've come to Cisco now I've spoken to people and they're like oh we remember you from your first secondary school or like college because then I went to Henley as Alistair mentioned and continue to do so many different subjects and I thought I have to be all technical to join I thought I'd have to do all IT and engineering I did the complete opposite I did all humanities and that's worked amazingly for me too because it reflects the apprenticeship in the way that there's like 200 plus different rotations to choose from so yeah that's just like a bit about me do you know i think that's Brilliant. so fascinating that we tend to think that if you're going to go into the tech industry you have to be technical so i love the fact that you've just shared that thank you so much and as you know from vicky from our i think it was might have been the last podcast that we recorded uh, I, I do classics, Latin and Greek and stuff like that. So absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with tech. 
and ended up as CTO. So, Rhiannon, you can go anywhere you want to go, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, and I started out as a primary school teacher, so, you know, it just shows. So, there you go. There you go. A great industry to be in. Funny old world, isn't it? So, now's your opportunity to give Alistair some some serious feedback. How are you finding the programme? Are you enjoying it? (laughs) I absolutely love it. I obviously had an idea of what it would be like from quite early on from opinions and apprentices that I had contact with. But it's completely different as soon as you step foot, even virtually from the very first day. I never realised the amount of opportunities that we could do. I never realised that we could choose where we wanted to go. There's been rotations where they may not have been offered before and I've spoken to somebody in the business and then they've asked me to come into the team. Um, and stretch projects as well. I thought I would have to just stick to my work and my rotations, but I've had the opportunity to do such amazing things within Cisco that I look at other people, maybe at normal traditional university and think wow like look at my career and what I've done in this past year what can I then go on to achieve if I'm doing this now and have the continued support like at Cisco as well when you join the apprenticeship you're given a buddy in the year above to help guide you in your first couple of months you then also have the opportunity to get a mentor within the business so I have a mentor who's in DevNet which is so technical and I'm not technical at all so I've got that really nice balance of opinion there she guides me on so many things I've got a sponsor as well somebody who could see potential in me and helps guide me got my skills coach for university I've got my manager I've got a whole team of people around me and so does everybody everybody is helping everybody get a step up that ladder and it's such a nice environment to work in that's a, a serious investment in the uh, in the future of the business. Yeah, it's so impressive. Vicky, you wanted to come in with a comment there. I'm just well, I'm just blown away by it. In all honesty, you know, it's no wonder that that Cisco is the you know top of the Fortune 100 best places to work. I mean, and and this when Helen first suggested Helen Douglas first suggested that we take on this this topic with you, Alistair. It, it was really interesting to me because. Is a topic that I've always been really passionate about. And we had six different interns work for me at VMware. And they come in and they do a year and you invest in them. But there wasn't an official program to keep them. And I just, I, I lost them to places like Accenture because they had a graduate program for them to go to because they just didn't have the right programs in place. But that sounds such a comprehensive solution because I get so frustrated with, the talk about the balance and the gender imbalance in tech, but it's because we're not starting early enough. But you know, Cisco sponsoring schools, wow! So yeah, it's, that's, it's wonderful that's the way to, to really solve the problem, are. isn't it? it? It has to start. I keep saying this. It has to start earlier on, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah wonderful. So, how do you ensure, Alistair, that you keep these people? that you start off, you know, that was always an ongoing discussion at Softcat. Were we just training people for the competition? How do you make sure you keep them for as long as possible? Well, so, so the, the hard thing is not the first job, it's the second job. So typically yeah. people are very happy with their first job. And then when they go to the second job, that's where you tend to lose people, particularly graduates. So there's a very different, so we've looked in profile. So 
apprentices come in at 18 like Rihanna has done and they, they do a degree with us. So we, we help them through university for three years. We give them rotation so they go to different parts of the business, completely open so they can choose and they can choose where they go. And then they take their, they also pay them as well. So they get paid for three years. So they leave after three years, they kind of graduate into Cisco or they always work there with a degree, with loads of experience of doing different types of jobs in Cisco. And you can go anywhere you want in the company pretty much. Uh, and you also, they also have been, they got some money in the bank hopefully as well, or maybe not spent it, but they're not coming out with a massive debt anyway. So yeah. the, the, the apprentices are pretty loyal and, and tend to stay with us a very long time. We've seen that. And the program's about 10 years old. The grads are really difficult. We can attract them really well, but then we have to really focus on the second job. So for apprentices, we focus on landing their first job and then helping them because they're young. I mean, they're maybe 21 when they're going straight into workforce. So we put some you know, guardrails around the fact that they're young, uh, particularly the younger ones of, the, of that cohort. For graduates, we focus a lot on the second job because the first job, we can they land where they come in. That's the entry job. And then how do you move into second job? And then for other early in career, because early in career for us is kind of below 30, it's about that portability. So making sure that we open up opportunities. So, for example, we, we focus stock at early grades, okay, on, on purpose. You know, we have special off-cycle focals, which are only for younger grades, you know, the, the, the lower grades in the grade pyramid. Uh, and again, the last thing we do is we do very open talent reviews across the whole business where we bring all the different leaders in. So, as you know, as a big global company, you've got different people with different groups, okay? So sales groups and customer success groups and renewal groups and servicing groups. We actually do, you know, kind of talent expos across everybody. So we get to know all the people in, in the market, in the UK market, in the Swiss market, in the German market, in the Saudi market, so that people can see opportunities outside of their current you know, working team or working group. So they can, there can be portability. And unlike all big companies, although we haven't done it recently, we do quite a lot of, you know, assignments abroad. So you can go and work in different countries if you're interested. You know, it's it's not I'm not saying we do huge amounts of it now because of COVID, we, we can't really do much. Mm. But you know, you want to give people the platform where they can showcase. Um, also, we do a lot of video as well. So, and Helen Douglas, who we've mentioned before, has really been inspiring in a lot of the early in career programs. Just using, you know, video forum. You know, people our age, we may still be on text message and email, but the you know, younger Rihanna's age, they never do it. They're all on, they're on, you know, Instagram. And so, let's go to where the people are and let's get we get them involved. So, we ask a lot of the younger people in the organisation to help us with that recruitment. So, if you are thinking about joining Cisco, you're more likely to meet Rihanna than me. Because she, she's mm. more like I can to talk see to why. You. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but she'll talk to you at the level you're at. Whereas you know you might meet me at the end, kind of thing. I say, well done. But so let's just let's just try to kind of get level with people and make it real. I think that makes sense. So you, you kind of touched or hinted at it briefly there, but obviously we're in this crazy hybrid world. Rihanna, you joined during uh, during COVID, so maybe you haven't even seen a real person yet. I don't know. I hope you have. Um, perhaps. You could talk a little bit about how Cisco is addressing that. I presume the technology is in place, right? Yeah. So obviously we've got we've got our own technology, which really helps. So we, we've got these beautiful devices that I'm currently using, Desktop Pro. Go to your local carriers and buy one. No, I mean that they're amazing. I mean, so we try to make it as easy as we can do. We uh, obviously Webex helps. We, we we also have started to really mandate. I mean, I mean mandate. People don't spend eight to ten hours a day talking to video because it's not healthy. So we want people to take breaks, go for walking meetings, go take the dog for a walk, have a lunch break, do some exercise. You know, as much as it's great to work from home because you take your kids to school and pick them up again, you know, it's time permitting. It's also we know that people start to overwork and getting really stressed. 
The other one that's interesting is that you, we've got a very large workforce in India, particularly where our support centre is. Can you imagine taking 10,000 people and sending them all home? You know, we're getting emails like, I don't have a desk. Uh, I don't even have a chair. Just allowing people to go and buy a desk and a chair. Where people live, four or five people in a shared accommodation, they may not have a, a room with a desk in it. You know, and then the last thing is just the work-life balance really is important with people working from home. We want people to simply go out and just take some fresh air, you know, spend some time. You know, we, we've given five days back now this year to Cisco employees on top of their holidays, on top of bank holidays as days for you. You know, just go and have it. You know, you know, we've had some terrible, as everybody has, COVID has been rampant through the, throughout the world and that's affected everyone. And, and we're, we're, we're not unlike any larger enterprise. You know, we've lost team members, which is incredibly sad. And, and many team members have lost family members as well. So we make sure we give people proper time off. In fact, we're enforcing this summer that people take holidays. We're literally telling people, you've not taken up holidays, go on holiday. I don't want to see you in work, you know, in August because, you know, you need to have a break. You've worked far too hard. And so managers now are being, you know, we're checking for it. So we're doing what we can do, Sam. But, you know, I can't wait to get back in the office. And I'm sure Rhiannon and the whole yeah. team can't get back in as well. I, I, I can well imagine. Fantastic. So I guess we should start to sort of bring this to a close. So perhaps you could give us your your three takeaways on the subjects that we've covered today, please. Yeah, well, I think first of all, so thanks a lot if you've got this far, <laughs> listen to us ramble on. For, you know, invest in young talent, okay? I, I know it takes effort and you, it, you may think it's expensive, but it's not. You'll bring brilliant young people out around and into your company and they will give you a boost of energy, a boost of ideas and a boost to your business. So really think, you know, just take time out and look at the apprentice programs. There is a levy from the UK government that you actually think they, they will fund it. So it's not that difficult to do it. Uh, second thing, um, also think about how you then retain and promote that talent. You know, I would, I would love to see, you know, while I'm still, you know, in, in Cisco, you know, a, 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 a VP under the age of 30, which we're starting to, to attract now. You know, let's break the glass ceiling. Let's bring some of this amazing talent through because they are absolutely, they can do it. You know, we talked about stretch assignments and cross assignments. We do that as well. But also let's, let's really start to say, I, I'm starting to accelerate promotion now for those people that I think deserve it. You know, it's not about how long you've been at this company. It's about how, how, how good you are, what you can contribute back. And the last thing I think is, um, is just think about the diverse aspect as well. You know, we've worked really hard to make sure we have a very, very diverse and balanced team across all our markets, not just the UK, but everywhere. And that brings an interest to us, okay, because we've got lots of different points of view and cultures coming together. Uh, and I think that really helps to make it more interesting when you come to work. I'm very proud that Krakow, where we have 1,200 people, we've now got 54 different nationalities in that office. It's incredible. And so it's a really great thing to see when you go there, all the different, all different people coming together in, into Poland, where we have, a, we have a big center, but coming from all over the world to work together as one single team for Cisco. Fantastic. That's brilliant. So, Vicky, you best uh, take us into team experience, if you don't mind, please. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So recently at the Amplified Group, we trademarked team experience and team experience is so important to us because we see so much around customer experience and employee experience but team experience is is what work is all about isn't it it's who we're working with and your title Alistair I know we briefly touched on this when we spoke whether you, when you were um, agreeing to do the podcast and your SVP of customer experience so with that in mind, what does great team experience mean to you? Oof. 
Great team experience. I, I think it comes back to what we talked about before, which is, you know, if I get knocked down by a bus, you know, and, and I'm not able to go to work today, the business just keeps on going because my team just, just, just step in and do exactly what they, they were always doing, which is amazing. You know, and I, th- I think for me, that, that's a key thing, you know, particularly when in, in this virtual world. How do you build great teams when you're not actually in the same room? And we've managed to do that stuff. We've managed to keep that kind of team camaraderie. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we called our organization customer experience, which, by the way, being completely honest, three years later, I think may have been a, a bit of a mistake. Let's rename it again. We may call it something different. And what was interesting is when we decided to call this team customer experience, that, that we were the pretty much only company in the industry to do that. So Microsoft hadn't done it, VMware hadn't done it, HP, IBM. Now everybody else has a customer experience yes. team. So well done, Maria. Yes. Uh, you've always been an innovator yeah. and, a, and, a, <laughs> and a forward thinking. So, yeah, but I mean, it's not just the, the customer experience, though, is the whole company. It's not just one team. That's the point I'm making. And team experience is about the whole company. So you, you've got to all focus on this. It can't just be done by yes. a few individuals. Completely. What do you think you might call it then? Well, we couldn't call it services. We couldn't call it support. We couldn't call it customer success or renewals. So yeah, so, but the, the reason is it's because everyone calls it CX. And what we've ended up doing is creating a brand within a brand, which is absolutely not what we wanted to do. Our brand is Cisco. We have one brand. That's our company brand, The Bridge. Uh, and yet we've got this kind of CX group, and we all end up with jackets with CX on it. And now and I realise, whoops, that's probably not the best way forward. So... Yeah, I mean, customer experience is great because it kind of does what it's the focus, but it's the focus for the sales organization, the marketing organization. So I don't have a better name right now, Sam, uh, and obviously I'm not going to change the name of Maria's organization. <laughs> but at the same time, I think that just making sure that everyone understands that we're all, we're might, all might, might together. Be job, might be a job for the apprentices to come up with something. You know what? But we've always said that we quite often when we when we hit a roadblock, um, we often say, "Let's go and get twenty eighteen year olds, stick them in the room, and I bet they'll solve the problem." Yeah, and yeah. right, they will do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fantastic. But I just want to say, from a team experience perspective, I mean, it, it just comes so naturally to you, having had the pleasure of working with you in the past. So I just want to say, thank you, Alistair, for taking the time today. It's been a real real pleasure and I knew I was this was going to be a, a, a fun podcast so I really appreciate that and Rhiannon actually I think you ouch on him to be honest because he's pretty awesome but you were amazing so so inspiring and I can't wait to just snip your bit and share that <laughs> <laughs> thank you so, so I would like to say my, my final words are I would like to in case they're what listening you never know I like all the people I've worked for so Maria Martinez David Parry Jones Darren Mancini Guy Chessel Terry Smith Maurizio Carly thank you very much for trusting me and giving me jobs and hopefully I'll see you all soon <laughs> wonderful brilliant ending fantastic so it just remains for me to say thanks for listening to Get Amplified from the Amplified Group as always your comments and your subscriptions are gratefully received